the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. Hi there and welcome to This Next One's About. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, singer, songwriter and co-producer of the New York Artist Collective podcast, This Next One's About. Now, if you haven't joined us before, this is a podcast dedicated to songwriting and in each episode I interview one of my favourite songwriters and we dig deep into the stories behind one of their songs. Today's guest is Nashville's own singer-songwriter Liz Longley. Liz graduated from Berklee School of Music, she won the BMI John Lennon Songwriting Competition and has had music synced on shows for networks such as ABC and MTV. Her most recent record was funded by a record Kickstarter campaign that raised over $150,000 in an effort to help her buy back her album from her label. This made Longley the number four most funded solo female musician in Kickstarter history, a story recently covered by Billboard magazine. Liz came by to talk about her latest release, Get to Know Someone. Listen out at the end of the episode, and I'll let you know how to get hold of an exclusive behind-the-scenes video of the song you're about to hear today. Oh, perfect, me too. Okay, cool. Liz Longley, hello and welcome to the show. So lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. You have such an interesting story, and I'm I'm really excited to to touch on it um, in terms of like the Kickstarter campaign, you know, buying back your the rights to your music. Um, but let's start with talking about um, your new single. So it's called "Get to Know Somebody." Sorry, "Get to Know Somebody." Get to know someone, and it's from your forthcoming album, "From My Past." This is the second song that I've released off of my my upcoming record, and it's it's the most uh, stripped down song of the whole album, but the message is one that has seemed to connect with people as I've toured around and played it. It's a song that I wrote after a breakup. I write a lot of breakup songs, but this one in particular was uh, a strangely easy breakup. And it kind of had me reflecting on breakups past and how I've really learned a lot from a lot about the people that I've shared those times with after we've parted ways. And so um, this song came from that reflection. Because of the production, you know, you kept it quite stripped back. So when I first heard the song, I looked at it on YouTube and I sort of heard this beautiful guitar version that you, you did somewhere in, in Denver. And then when I listened to the track that's, you know, from, from the single and it's upcoming and it's, it's beautifully done, it is really stripped back. There's no backing vocals. It's just you and guitars, possibly a second guitar, I think, on there, but you've kept it nice and stripped back. What was the impetus for it's so stripped back was it just to kind of focus on the message and the songwriting yeah there's a lot of words in this song there's a lot going on lyrically and the producer Paul Moak he had referenced Landslide as, as a track to inspire the sounds and what we did was we sat three of us in a circle in the studio a microphone in front of each of us but no headphones no click no grid to track to just sitting with each other and listening to each other in the room. And it was all recorded live that way. Okay, and was that the only track that you did like that? Yeah, it was. Well, actually, most of the record is tracked live, um, but that was the only one that we did acoustically, no headphones at all. Uh, it was just a different experience. Did you find it? Was it kind of a little bit terrifying? Did you feel a bit naked doing it? Yeah, I mean, we were... We were on the spot for sure. It was the end of our second day in the studio and the rest of the band had gone home and we couldn't tell if we were just kind of weary from being in the studio all day. So we did like 12 takes of it. And most other songs on the record, we did like two 
or three takes, but we just kept going with this one. And eventually we were like, let's just, let's just check this out in the morning and see how it sounds. And we came back and like, yeah, I think we got it. Funny. Cause I mean, how do you normally record? Is it sort of typically you'll kind of track everything live and then you do all the parts and then you do the vocals at the end? Uh, with this record, it was most, most of the vocals that we, that we tracked when the band was playing are what made the record. Um, but every record making process has been different for me. This one was just had this really human aspect, human quality to it because there are moments that aren't perfect, but it really feels alive. And I've, I've made, this is my uh, sixth full length record, my seventh release. And a lot of feedback over the years has been, we like you better live, which is, I guess, a compliment, but it always kind of hurts a little bit to hear it because it means that in the studio, we're not capturing something and I could never quite put my finger on it. And uh, with this record, having tracked so much of it live and having heard from a lot of the people who made the record possible, they're all saying, you know, that it finally has that that it thing. So it was it was really fun, even though it was scary to track a lot of it live. I feel like it was it was worth the challenge. Was a part of that your choice in producer, Paul? Yes. Paul is he was such a dream to work with. And I had long admired his work and finally got the nerve up to email him and ask if he'd he'd be interested in doing a record together. And he's just such a force. I mean, even just walking into his studio, it's 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 like a spiritual experience. And he's just so calm and um open and with each song I felt like he had no agenda but to serve the song whichever way that ended up being whichever way it felt like the message was delivered and and all the musicians played at ease um it was just it was a really it was a really unique time come across Paul he's had you know five albums Grammy nominated but was there a personal connection for you I had heard about him for years, but um, I really fell in love with his work after I heard he produced Caitlin Smith's record, Starfire, and I was just blown away by that. My fiancé, before my fiancé was even my boyfriend, <laughs> we were hanging out and he was asking me when I was going to make my next record. And I told him that Paul Moak was at the top of my list, but I hadn't gotten the nerve to reach out to him. And he's like, you got to do it right now. So that night I emailed Paul and wrote him and we met up and I was really impressed by his studio and just his approach. And we talked about songs and influences and, and then before we made the record, I was in the airport. I feel like it was meant to be, I ran into Caitlin Smith who inspired me to reach out to Paul in the first place with her record. So I asked her right there at the, at the baggage claim, I was like, I'm going to make a record with Paul, Paul Moak, any advice? And she's like, you're in great hands. He's the best. And she was totally right. I already can't wait to make another record with him. It's <laughs> great. I mean, have you ever worked with anyone uh, twice consecutively? Not uh, not in many years. When I was younger and I lived in Philadelphia and my parents were, you know, I was super young. My parents were helping me, you know, with my records. And I, I worked with one producer for for three, my first three records. But since moving to Nashville, I've kind of jumped around trying to find the perfect fit. been like in terms of um, your songwriting? changed very much for you? Yeah, I feel like I've gone through a lot of different phases. Uh, When I first moved down here, I'm really easily influenced by the things I hear around me. And obviously, it's a big country town. So when I moved to town, I was doing a ton of country writing. And I think it's it seeped into my solo writing as well. 
And then I veered hard left from that and started trying to get away from that and say, I don't want to be a country artist. I want to be a singer songwriter. I don't, I don't want to be defined by where I live. So my waitlist record was kind of more rock pop. And then now I feel like I've kind of come back to center and found myself. But even 2018 was all full of just writing for other pop artists. And that was a great growing experience. I loved every second of it. And I almost feel like diving into all these different genres has helped me come closer to who I am as a writer. Song, you know, it being kind of so stripped back, you know, the three chords and the truth, I'm sure there are more chords than that. To you before we started recording was there's a come out of the bridge and you songs of if you like and there's some there's something that I heard there that I thought oh that just sounded like a young like a younger Dolly Parton yeah and you said that to me and I was so so flattered I love country music I grew up only listening to country music and then I kind of started discovering the singer songwriters of the 70s and Joni Mitchell became my hero and uh James Taylor and Paul Simon and that whole world. Carol so King. yeah, Carol King. Yeah. So I have tons of country influences, but I felt like I found who I wanted to be as an artist when I started listening to more of the singer songwriter stuff, like the Laurel Canyon music. Cool. Well, Liz, let's take a listen to the song. This is uh, Get to Know Someone. To know someone when they're falling out of love with you, do they look you in the eye and say, whisper it to someone new? Point the finger, point the blame, I hold you till it's all okay. Saying losing love is no one's fault. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. When all infatuation's gone and you tell each other what you want. When all the playing games is done, you really get to know someone. You really get to know someone. It's all in the way. Say goodbye to the cushion name and slam the door or kiss you for just one last time. It's all in the way they tell the story. Do they take the heat or take the glory? Hey, losing love is no one's fault. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. When all infatuation's gone and you tell each other. What you want when all the playing games is done, you really get to know someone. So don't make it harder than it has to be, make it easy. Turn around and smile at me 
that was get to know someone from your upcoming album funeral for my past um it's your second single from the album when can we expect that album that will be sometime later this year but i'm releasing a lot of singles until the record comes out and you already released one um called three crow yeah i released that in january um it's the first original music i've released in four years so it was such a good feeling to finally put that out in the world and it was it was incredible to feel people embrace it and welcome it into their lives because it was a really personal song and I didn't really know how to talk about it. I realized once it came out, I was like, I'm going to have to talk about this song. And I don't know if I'm prepared to do so, but I was, you know, sometimes we write songs just because it's therapy and we need to process situations in our lives through music and it was kind of one of the, it was a weird moment when I realized I was going to have to talk about it. And I'm always preaching how important it is to write personal songs because that's how we connect with other people. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Got to practice what I preach. <laughs> so it's yeah. called Three Crow and it's, uh, well, essentially the, the title is um, Three Crow, which is a bar in Nashville. Yes. Yes, it is. Which is where I've lived for almost 10 years. But the song is really, actually, it was originally going to be called The Lines because it's about lines being blurred and crossed in a relationship that, you know, emotional and physical boundaries that I had to set. And this song was almost a promise to myself of of what those boundaries were going to be and that I was going to stick to them and not let this person in my life anymore because it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy for me. Were you nervous about releasing that song as the first single from your upcoming album and I just say that in the sense of because of the subject matter that's kind of that's it it didn't really hit me until I started having to do interviews about it and then I was like oh wow I picked it because um you know I had played this record for a lot of friends and that was the one that everyone came back to me talking about and saying that's my favorite so I thought you know what this one's mid-tempo Everybody likes it. We'll go with that one. And then it was like I kind of had disconnected from the message of the song. It had been a while since I recorded it and I hadn't played it live ever until it came out. So I kind of like cut myself off from the story of that song. And then I had an interview about it and I thought I should just sit down and play this song and reconnect with it. And I just cried for the entire interview. And it was like she said, so does writing a song just help you get over it. And then you're done. You're good. And I'm like silently crying. I'm like, oh no, (laughs) there are many layers to these things. And we're so lucky that we get to share music with people because oftentimes the sharing is half of the healing, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's so interesting. So I interviewed Gretchen Peters a little while back. Oh, I love Gretchen. 
Oh, she's amazing. And one of her yes. big hits um, was Independence Day. Yes. For Martina McBride, I think in, I'm going to say 95. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how it was a bit of a risky song at that point for Martina to take on because, you know, the subject matter was about domestic abuse. Yeah. And she had a lot of people say, you know, you'll never get this song sold or um, this will never get played on country radio. And it, you know, last year, I think at the Grammys, like 10 power women in country wow. all sang the song together. It's amazing. It is amazing. And it's just for what people say to us of the subject matter or this won't get played on radio because it's a hard subject or it's difficult to talk about or it's about, you know, hashtag me too. I'm so in awe of women that are taking these stories forward and to radio and saying, you know, these are stories that are prevalent. These are important for us to talk about. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I applaud you for that. Thank you. I I can't take any credit because, like I said, I just and I think it's a good thing that I didn't really process it until it was kind of too late. I was already it was already out there. But I, I don't think that I've been particularly brave about it. But I'm hoping that as time goes on, I mean, I've been so uh, touched by people that have reached out and shared their stories and it's starting to click how how important it is to share things like that and for people to know that they're not alone and and give them hope that there is a way out. So this album um, is obviously a very special album and you, you'd said that it's your first release in four years. Um, so why is that? And, and talk me through what happened with your record label previously and the Kickstarter campaign that has helped you make this new record. Yeah, it was it was never intentional not to release music for so long, but first came kind of I kind of had a, a little bit of writer's block after my last record came out. I think I was just disappointed in how it went, I guess, if I'm being totally honest, and kind of felt like I needed to start over, start from scratch. And um, in doing so, in that in that period of time, a lot of changes happened at my record label. And um, when I finally was ready to make a new record with Paul, I was so excited. I had every reason to believe that things were going to be way better than they were with Weightless. And um, and then after I made the record, it quickly became clear that the label was not going to be uh, the right fit for me moving forward. And, and I was really lucky that they gave me the opportunity to buy my record back. I know a lot of artists who their labels say, yeah, you know what, we're just going to keep your record. We're not going to release it and we're cutting you. Um, so when I had the option to buy back my record, um, and leave the label, I, I knew that's what I needed to do. So I launched a Kickstarter to raise $45,000 in order to buy it back and promote it a little bit. And it just absolutely blew up. And in 30 days, 1,302 people raised $150,000 for me to become an independent artist and buy back this record. So it changed my life. It was, it was incredible. That's an insane amount of money, and it's incredible that people responded to that message. I know. Do you think it was largely in part to do with you wanting to buy back the rights? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, there's a lot There's a lot going on in the music industry right now that is really unfair to artists. You know, the situations that Taylor Swift has been in and my friends Delta Ray, all these situations where people's music is out of their control, and it's a really crappy feeling when you've put your heart and soul into this body of work and uh, you have absolutely no say in how it's released or if it's released. And um, I think my fans recognized that and jumped in so that that didn't happen to me. And I was really, really grateful. 
So now you're moving back to being an independent artist. How are you feeling about um, this new trajectory for your career and the new path that you are forging for yourself? This new, you know, very direct connection with your fans, which I'm sure you had a direct connection before, and now you're you're managing your distribution. How does this all feel? If you talked to me four weeks ago, I probably would have said I'm scared to death. Uh, I'm so lucky to have been able to hire my own team. But before the first song came out, you kind of don't really know how anything is going to go. And no one can promise you anything. And they shouldn't. If they are promising you anything, then they're probably not trustworthy. Um, But now that the first song has come out, I am elated. It's the best single release I've had in my career to date. And that's all thanks to the Kickstarter backers who allowed me to build my own team. And I'm really lucky that I have people that believe in this record and are fighting for this music. Yeah, it's been it's been a great journey so far, and I'm excited to release Get to Know Someone. And I'm able to do things that I was never able to do before. So I'm in the process of making three different music videos for this record and just doing things that weren't possible before. That's amazing. Three different music videos. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all going to be tied together. And um, one's going to be for Three Crow, one's for Funeral from My Past, and the other one's for Finally High. And how do you feel about um, the way that the music industry is moving and in terms of, you know, single releases? And, and, you know, I know that you were saying you're going to release a bunch of different singles ahead of the album coming out. How do you feel about that? Well, I think at first when I released my last record, you know, it was just like a record plopped out on the Internet. And then uh, two weeks later, I had nothing to talk about. It's, it was already like, oh, I can't wait till the next one. And that just takes the wind mm. out of your sails because you're like, I worked years on this and now it's all out. And people just weren't di- don't digest music the same way anymore. And I think the only way to work with that is to embrace it and change with it. Because as much as it's frustrating, I am a consumer, a music consumer myself. And I I love singles as a, as a consumer. And then I love vinyl for sitting at home and listening to and taking in a whole record. Mm. So I've changed with it as a consumer. So I can't, I'm embracing the shift and uh, I'm excited that now because I'm an independent artist, I can release this music the way I envision, which is to do six singles before the album comes out. And it's fun because with every new single comes new content and a new look and a new story to tell. And that's really exciting to me. That is exciting. It's interesting in you talking about, um, you know, sitting down and listening to the full album. And again, you know, the way that people are consuming music, a lot of people who aren't buying um, vinyl don't listen to it necessarily in the order that it comes out in because, you know, you'll hit play and it'll shuffle or whatever happens on Spotify or Apple Music. Right. And so that sort of a lot of the intention that goes into the album in terms of telling the story is kind of lost and it's to no one's fault, really. I love that vinyl's coming back. And it's, it's funny, I had never necessarily... Like I love sit, you know, sitting at home and listening to the vinyl, but I'd never necessarily thought, oh yeah, I'm listening to it in the order that it was intended. Yeah, and it just sounds so good, <laughs> which is which is beautiful, and you can kind of sit down and really focus on listening. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of artists that are sort of having these like online listening parties. Really, which I I find yeah, I think it was, the, I think it was the Punch Brothers, or certainly it was Chris Isle anyway, with like listening to a record together digitally. Yes, with fans. Oh, that's really cool. I love that idea. And kind of talking through it as it's going on. Oh, I have to check that out. That's that's a great idea. Almost like a director's kind of cut. 
You know, like the yeah. DVD, in, back in the days when people had DVDs and there were director's yeah. cuts of everything or director's commentary. I love that. Yeah, me too. So Liz, you are on tour and you are hitting so many cities across the nation. And you are stopping by in New York City um, March 12th at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2. So how long is your tour going to be? It's basically starting in March and never ending until uh, I get married in October. <laughs> Congratulations, by the Thank way. Thank you. And then after the wedding, I'll probably go back on tour and do a band tour. Because most of this tour right now is just solo acoustic maybe a cellist here and there. Um, but then after the wedding in the late fall, we'll do uh, band tours and coming back to some of these cities again and giving a different sound. Um, so yeah, I kind of tour always. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. So I spend a lot of time on the road. And one thing that I saw on your website, um, you said, you know, you'd be touring and taking the music to the people that had supported the Kickstarter. Yeah. I'm doing, uh, I think it's 13 different house concerts uh, for people that uh, were big donors in the campaign. So that starts uh, next weekend in Texas. Awesome. And whilst I'm looking at your website, I can see that you're doing a guitar camp in Alaska. Yeah, I've never been before, but um, I love teaching at camps. Typically, I teach songwriting um, with a few things about music theory and how it pertains to songwriting. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing at this festival too. I've done Crown Guitar Festival in Montana, which was beautiful, and Sisters Folk Festival. But I've never been to Alaska and neither has my fiance, so we're both going to teach there, actually. It'll be really fun. Oh amazing. And that's kind of like end of um end of summer kind of coming into fall. Yes. Before our big day. We're gonna just before, go teach and <laughs> before your big day and before it gets myself. cold in Alaska. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, um, Liz, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. I'm so excited and delighted for you that your your new record is coming out. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm really looking forward to seeing you um, at Rockwood March 12th. But Liz, thank you once again, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. See you in New York. Liz Longley. Now, if you are in New York, she is playing March 12th at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2. Details for those tickets are in today's details. She really is impressive live and I would thoroughly recommend it. Now, at the beginning of the show, I told you that Liz has given us an exclusive behind the scenes access to the making of Get to Know Someone. And let me tell you, it is really special. I saw it after we recorded this episode and it was so cool to see how it was recorded and get a look inside the studio and hear from the producer Paul Moog. All you need to do is check out the episode details and look for the link and we'll send you an email and away you go. Last week, you may be aware that a tornado raged through Nashville and has devastated Music City. If you are a musician who has been affected, I've listed a few resources that are available to help you out. Music Cares is the philanthropic arm of the Grammy Academy and is actively looking to help musicians during this time. Gideon's Army and Hands On Nashville are some others that you can also take a look at. And if you want to donate to the relief efforts, the CMFT Fund is also listed in the details today. Nashville, our hearts are with you. I'm Stephanie Manns. We'll see you next time. New York Artists Collective.